0: Get ready, because you're going to learn specific actions you can take today to help your business reach its full potential and leave a lasting impact on the world.
1: Welcome to the Ecom Breakthrough Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Hadley, where I interview the top business leaders in e-commerce. Past guests include Adam Heist, Kevin King, and Michael E. Gerber, author of The E-Myth. Today, I'm speaking with Chris Schipferling, founding partner of GW Partners and Southcall, with over 20 years of experience in the consumer product sector. And we're going to be talking a lot about how you can 10x your brand and then also exit your brand. This episode is brought to you by Ecom Breakthrough Consulting, where I help seven figure companies grow to eight figures and beyond. Listen, Chris, I started my business back in 2015, and I grew it to an eight figure brand in seven years. But I made a lot of mistakes along the way that made the path of getting to eight figures take a lot longer than it needed to. There were times where I doubted myself as a leader, whether I doubted my abilities to actually manage the cash flow in the business or whether my brand could actually become like a recognized brand in our industry. So to our listeners, those of you who have hit similar plateaus and want to know the next steps to take your brand to the next level, then go to ecombreakthrough.com, that's ecom with two Ms to learn more. And as a special bonus to my podcast listeners, this month, I'm giving away one $10,000 comprehensive business strategy audit session at no cost. All you need to do is email me at josh at ecombreakthrough.com and in your subject line, say strategy audit and then plead your case as to why I should choose you and your business to work with for this month. And if you don't win this month, don't worry, you'll be entered to win for future months to come. But today, I am excited to introduce you all to Chris. Chris is an industry luminary with a remarkable 20-year tenure in the consumer product sector, adeptly navigating sales and marketing roles across the spectrum from small businesses to corporate giants. As a founding partner of Southcall, he's played a pivotal role in shaping the e-commerce consumer products landscape through strategic investments. Joining GW Partners in 2018, Chris brought his wealth of experience to the team, previously having run his own consultancy where he crafted and executed digital strategies for business owners. Today, his passion lies in guiding founder owners to achieve their goals, leveraging his profound understanding of the consumer products arena and his expertise in digital strategy and e-commerce to drive unparalleled growth and success. And with that being said, we're going to give credit to ChatGPT for creating that (laughs) intro for Chris. I would like to say that, Chris, wow, you're just a master copywriter of your bio here. So good! you already spilled the beans. I did. I'm really good at prompts. That's what I'm really good at.
0: (laughs) Super creative prompt writer, man.
1: (laughs) I love it. Well, Chris,
0: welcome welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. First time on and I'm really excited.
1: Yeah, Chris, super excited to dive in. You truly do have a wealth of knowledge, right? 20 years of experience in the consumer products industry. You've helped brands exit their businesses. You've helped, you know, provide consulting services to actually grow businesses to a point of where they're actually ready to be sold. And so, I love that you've kind of gone. You you've seen the full spectrum yeah. of e-commerce brands. Um, yeah. So, Chris, one thing I want to just kind of start the conversation off with is, what do you see going on in the yeah. market right now? We've <laughs> there's been news of bankruptcies with some of the Amazon yeah. aggregators. What's yeah. going on in the industry?
0: Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's a little bit, you know, and I'm not gonna sit here and say, Oh, well, there's no told you so, there's no hey, we said this, we said that. You know, look, w- when we first saw the run up of aggregators, we thought, okay, you know, nothing's new under the sun. You know, there's there's aggregation that occurs in a lot of different sectors and and different in different cycles in the past and MA cycles. Um, United Rentals is probably one of the best aggregators that's ever existed. They've been gobbling up all types of local businesses for the past almost 25 to 30 years and set aside cash every year to to acquire. And so we thought, okay, this is going to be interesting. You know, we had some hesitation because we thought aggregating a very siloed company, um, that's hard to do, right? When you're trying to aggregate and then create effective efficiencies and economies of scale, it just doesn't work for Amazon businesses, no matter how you slice it. And so we thought, okay, well, there's been a lot of cash that's raised. The expectation was we're going to buy these things for as cheap as possible. We're going to build an army of brands, quote unquote, and then we're going to wrap and we're going to IPO. I mean, that was the PowerPoint that raised all the money, right? And so venture, which tends to see uh, or get more comfortable with riskier investments, you saw a lot of venture debt come in. That's number one. And you did see some institutional guys come in. Um, you know, they they drank, I wouldn't say they drank the Kool-Aid. I mean, look, consumer products had a massive run-up. Our entire economy flipped on its head. We were always two-thirds service and one-third consumer. And we became a two-thirds mm-hmm. consumer economy and a one-third service because of COVID, right? Because of the pandemic. And so, you know, a lot of a lot of big institutional minds were going this is here to stay. Like, you know, McKinsey came out with that report that everyone shared showing that, hey, the compound effect of this over the course of specifically with e-commerce over the course of the next 10 years, you know, we've grown seven years in you know, three months basically. So there were a lot of these bullet points, people kind of all, again, I don't want to say drink the Kool-Aid because that's a that's a negative way <laughs> of saying it, but a lot of folks rode the wave. And because of that, you had a lot of people going, It's a lot of copycats, basically. Hey, if they can do it, I can do it. I can do it better, and I can do it better. And then you had 100 voices all screaming, I can do it better. And in the process, you actually flip the PowerPoint on its head because the whole idea was to buy for here and sell for here, and you were buying for here, and now you're liquidating here. And so you've effectively had a complete cycle shift away from the original concept, and now it's just moving into – a very normalized view of where consumer products is right now. And then when you get very granular and you look at Amazon in particular, you go, well, this is where it really was pre-pandemic. We're kind of back to where we were. You want to sell your Amazon business almost no matter the size, unless you are huge. We'll get to that in a moment. Because you've got real market share. You're, you've got real critical mass. Um, You're selling for a three to four multiple all day long, man. And now, unfortunately, if you've reached a specific size, your buyer pool has actually skinnied up significantly. And so Mm -hmm. if you're a one, two, three million dollar business up to five, you can still utilize the SBA loan. You know, there's some really great guys even in the e-com space that are doing that. You know, one guy, his name is Steven Spear. He's been doing this for years and years and years. Um, and he's still helping, you know, econ brands, you know, and buyers find econ brands, but it's gone, it's just cycled back to where it was before. So the state of the market is you've got to now really think about your company in a much different way. You've got to really, if you want to exit the business and let's just take the exit piece out, but you really want to capitalize and become a brand that you know is going to have real sustainability. You've, you've got to start looking at a lot of other things. And, that's acquisition channels, and it's sales channels. And that is that is not an easy, it's very easy to say. It's actually quite easy to put on paper, just kind of like the aggregator model. Much, much, much different thing to execute. And to be very frank, there are a lot of folks who can succeed on Amazon that fail to succeed outside of Amazon. It's not an easy route. Interesting.
1: Well, and I think that that's, that's what I would love to dive into uh, is, you know, what is it that, you know, brands could consider getting into if it's outside of Amazon? And also, as you talked, you know, you talked about how the buyer pool for these businesses is shrinking. So a couple of questions I want to ask you is, A, what makes a brand more attractive to the limited pool of buyers that are there? Mm-hmm. And then number two, how do we dive into, you know, building a brand that is more attractive?
0: Look, I'd say for an all Amazon business, that's, you know, call it, uh, I don't know, one, call it one to 10 million, right? That's, you know, again, kind of selling to that limited buyer pool. Um, the disciplines haven't changed. You know, a lot of business brokers you'll hear, and right, rightfully so, they'll focus on trailing 12-month profitability. That's really just a – it's just an instrument to show that the company has been a profitable business, Um What types of protections do you have and IP do you have around both your product um, and also, like, do you have a review moat? You know, are you where's your company going? Is it going up to the right? (laughs) That's also very important. Um, And then, of course, it's just really about, okay, I'm buying this. Where am I taking it? Right. And so the attractiveness of that, which is, hey, look, if you're just a really good cash flowing company. okay, great. Well, I know I'm buying something that I could probably bolt on a few other products to. I can continue to launch new product. I heard, you know, Adam Heist was on your podcast. I love Adam. And, you know, he just said it the other day in one of his videos, when you're just purely selling on Amazon, man, it's like an ice cube, like it's constantly melting. And so if you look at it and go, okay, well, this is something I can consistently launch new products. Um, okay. That's, that's a good discipline. That's a good, that's a good discipline for me to, to invest in. So it's kind of the same, I'd say, level of discipline that's that's even been around for these same businesses for the past decade. You know, why am I buying it? But there's a huge discount, unfortunately, when it's something that a is going to be has never had the proof of concept away from Amazon. That's number one doesn't have heavy uh, product protection. And what I mean by that is real product roadmap, real design or or utility patents on the product itself. Um, mm. and, and also just, you just, <laughs> I'm going to say you just know, cause it's so subjective to say that, but you just know, it's going to be really difficult to grab market share outside of Amazon, just period. So there's a real discount on all of that. And so, um, and again, it just, it limits you to a specific multiple, but look, there's buyers out there that are happy to buy those companies all day long. There are, there are, there are corporate corporate Folks who left corporate America and are looking—they retired or they retired early. They got laid off, but they've got a really good IRA, which is a, also a good vehicle to purchase companies. They've got enough leverage, kind of personal wealth leverage, to get an SBA loan, and they're looking at it and they're modeling it out and going, "I'm going to buy this for three multiple, and I'm going to cash flow for the next ten years, and I'm mm-hmm. going to grow it nice and slow." And the SBA loan doesn't burden the business, and I can make some money out of this thing. I mean, that there, there's a real market for that. But it does play into my point. It's just a skinny amount of, it's just a limited buyer pool. That's it.
1: Fascinating. I want to, you mentioned, you know, Adam Heist's comment that, you know, your products on Amazon are kind of like a melting ice cube. I think that that's an important thing for a lot of our brand owners to understand. And why is that, Chris? Why is that statement true that you launch a product on Amazon and it's essentially a melting ice cube? And what do you see? How does that play into, you know, yeah. trying to build? a brand on amazon that's only focused on amazon
0: i mean look um it's very parallel to the product development process you know every product development process and every textbook that you've ever read about PD or npd has a bell curve to it right and that's essentially a melting ice cube right and so the principle is is fairly identical where i believe it tends to play out faster on amazon is because majority of the products that are sold are not brand driven And they're driven more or less to resolve for white space and less to resolve for a problem, which is typically what brings sustainability of an actual product that also plays into my brand story and my brand narrative and makes something super sticky for a guy like you and I to go back and buy over and over and over again, right? Um, I think that that does, I think that plays a bigger role where, again, you're just kind of going I'm and we've all listened to the same content and by the way it's great content like it's 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 great for people who just want to do this right which is here's the here's the trick you go to helium 10 identify these keywords that are not you know go to google find the keyword trends that are now at you know it's like finding an altcoin man you know the yeah. altcoin that's at like 10 cents right now and you re- read a little bit about the project behind it and you're like this thing's going to be a dollar in two years. I'm going to buy a million of them and I want to be very wealthy over time. It's, you know, it's that same kind of mentality where it's like I'm going to research the keywords that I that people are searching for. And then I'm going to resolve for the trend or the keyword. I'm not actually resolving for a consumer problem. The iPhone, everybody uses Apple, as an example, but the iPhone resolved for a phone problem, right? It brought the computer to the telephone and it became your all in one. And they just absolutely bla- and. I can I can do everything here, but they resolve for they resolve for a lot of different, whether it's problems or just inconveniences. And that takes a real product development when you're when you're thinking about that. You know, yeah. that's when you get utility patents introduced. That's when you get it's when you get design patents introduced. And I'd say the other the other way to not be a melting ice cube. We'll get into this later is I've got a lot of activity away from Amazon that's driving people to Amazon. You know, Mm. we see that with a lot of the with with the brands that we're working with. One in particular in the beauty space is driving a very nice Amazon business, but that's because they're driving a really great meta strategy right now. And so, and look at the end of the day, Amazon Amazon's a marketplace of convenience, man. Like I go there because I want the thing in two days. I I I can trust that it's going to come either in a day or two days or three hours, and I I just would rather order there than on Their Shopify website, although there's things that are happening in the Shopify world that are making it more, way more friendlier. Like Shopify is moving to one page cart here very shortly, which is very different than what they've had in the past. Shop has made it easy, and then of course, you know, they're getting Shopify, Big Commerce, and these platforms are working with three PLs to try and become much more friendlier when it comes to getting product a lot faster, et cetera. But you get my point. So yeah. But that's why it becomes a melting ice cube. So, so you're just stuck in a in a place where it's fine. It, this is not a bad. This is not a bad methodology, by the way. Like there's no good or bad here. It's just the result is very different, right? When I'm yeah. just constantly launching new products, but they're going really well, and I'm cash flowing a lot of money. Great, man. The end result, the end, is very different than the end over here, where I'm applying, you know, real conviction, real discipline into a brand that I'm growing to be very prolific and as prolific as I can make it because that's the value driver for someone to go. Yep. That makes a lot of sense for me.
1: I love that. And I think that our listeners, I think, want that, right? I think all of us deep down, we, we want to have that, you know, house name brand, right? That people, you know, actually care about because you're right on Amazon, half the people never even know who they're purchasing from. And most of the time, they just think they're buying it from Amazon. I can't tell you the number of people that buy our products. They get it and they see yeah. a picture of our family on the insert card, right? And yeah. they're like, "I had no idea." And it's like, "Oh, how do you not see it?" Like our branding right. is all over the place on yeah. Amazon, but That's it's right. just not there. Yeah. Um, so, Chris, I would love to pivot our conversation at this point. Like, I've drank your Kool Aid at this point. Of, uh, I've got to get my brand to be more omni-channel. I need to make sure that I'm not just creating this melting ice cube that Amazon's getting more and more overseas competitors every day. Mm -hmm. It's a race to the bottom right now. It is a rat race. And ultimately, I believe in the next five to ten years, the people that will win on Amazon are going to be the people that are driving external traffic in other ways, right? They're promoting their products to Shopify or their own carts or their own, uh, retail strategy. And it's trickling over, like you mentioned yeah. onto Amazon, just because people are aware of the brand itself. Yeah. And it's not no longer this arbitrage of keywords and PPC clicks. I think it's all, it, that's going to be a very small portion of the market five to 10 years from now. So well, yeah, totally. That's, yeah, I guess I was, that's my question for you, Chris, yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, look, it's, if a it's, brand uh, owner, uh, yeah, how do we scale? It's ha ha ha
0: you got several days. Um yeah, I, I mean look, the other thing to think about too, I mean just I'm having some quick I'm having some singles, kind of some quick hits, and then we'll get into some of the more like, you know, triples and, and doubles here a little bit later. But I mean, even just the hearing what you're saying, you know, reading Kevin King's newsletter recently where, you know, he's been doing a lot of deep diving into the new search engine that's about to come out. And I think they announced some things that ac- accelerate around this as well, where it's a bit more like predictive in nature and less about the keywords and more about, I know you as a consumer, I know what you should be buying. Um, well, that's that's always been happening, but that's just now as, as smart as it will ever be. And the other thing we can't forget, we, we, we tend to get into a very myopic view that Amazon is the static thing and that ever, it's just kind of Amazon, 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 and everything that goes on around it, it's just like, well, we don't really pay attention to it. TikTok is about to revolutionize how you purchase product, 125 million percent. It is going to be very interesting to see what happens in this quarter because they are coming after the jugular of Amazon. No question. Zero question. So as a business owner, you've got to start thinking about that those things when it's like, well, well, what does a TikTok strategy look like? Well, that's heavily, heavily doused in influencers and in your own videos and getting as many affiliates as you can. To drink that Kool-Aid because you're offering them, you know, actual cash to sell the the product. Um, and it's gonna be a lot more of that. And I'm telling you, it's they're making it, they have a relationship with shipbob. We have a client going we have two clients, three clients right now, actually going through the process of getting on a TikTok shop. It's not easy. It has been one of the hardest things I've actually seen a client have to do. Um, but why is that? There's a lot of it's it's a lot of red tape to get there. There's a lot of like um it's a longer application. There's a ton of applications. It's like basically bottleneck. So it's a lot of more administrative why it's been so hard. And then also, um, I, I want to say they only have a relationship with ShipBob. So like, I don't think you can actually ship from your own 3PL just yet. Just yet. I think you have to do it through ShipBob, I think. I could be wrong in that. So I'll circle back with you <laughs> uh, after the podcast uh, to put in the show notes. Chris was actually wrong. Um, ChatGPD was <laughs> right again. Um, so, anyways, that's that's just a kind of a quick hit that I was thinking about. But but yeah, I mean, you're totally right. I mean, when you're really thinking about and your business owner is going, okay, well, how do I actually scale from here? How do I grow from here? Well, look, you know, when you started your company, you said, I'm gonna just go to Amazon. It was all about Amazon and less about product in some in most cases. And again, I'm also speaking from having talked to a lot of founder owners that have Amazon businesses. So it's not like I'm just throwing this out of you know, thin air, some hat. This is coming from some real context. Um, But it's more like, hey, I'm just going to go find a product. I'm going to sell that widget through Amazon. That's kind of what it's been. And there's been more strategy and more resources deployed around how I'm going to get the widget at a cost that's going to convert the consumer and hack my way into being on page one as fast as possible and finding the honey holes and reservoirs to quick growth, quick, quick hits. Right. And I think you're shaking your head because, yes, we all hear the same type of content and have been hearing this for, for many, many years. And if you really want to now grow and scale your company away from this sales channel, which my friend Ben Leonard, who I don't know if you've met him or not, um, says. He'll be
1: actually coming on the podcast a few episodes after you. So Sweet. He
0: says it so eloquently. Amazon is just a sales channel. And so when you're thinking about your channel expansion and your channel strategy, you've got to sit down and go, number one, with my with my product, can I actually do it? And you gotta have the hard conversation with yourself. Because just because you made it on Amazon doesn't mean that this, that you're gonna actually be able to drive a lot of consumers to a website to convert. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. A, you may have been a been part of that rat race and almost commoditized your product. And so it just doesn't make a lot of economic sense. I mean, to be honest with you, CAC away from Amazon, cost to acquire the consumer away from Amazon and AOV. I mean, look, man, you're talking 20 to 30 bucks to acquire at least when you're optimized. At least, right? Yeah, and at you're least. talking you're talking AOVs have to be well north of that, at least double that. But yep. then your LTV has to be about triple that. So like, I've got to mm. have something that either on my First, handshake, I'm very profitable and I'm really profitable. Or I can afford to acquire the consumer at $40 or $30 knowing that my LTV is $180. Yeah. And so these metrics now matter. You've got to really think through that. Um, so, yeah. that's, so how do you think through that? What are, the, what are the ways to think through all of that? Well, number one, you always start with your product, your consumer products company. So do I have something that people will want to come back and, and buy over and over again? Is my product good quality? You know, do I have something that is highly, you know, highly protected and highly defendable and really, truly differentiates myself over the next guy? Because on D2C, I can't hack. I can't hack my way to conversion. Like, I've got to be really good at selling my product. And if you don't have a whole lot of bullets in the chamber to sell the product, well, you're going to drive a lot of traffic and they're going to go, yeah, I'm good. This is just, this is cheap. This is not something for me. Like, I'll just go find it Mm -hmm. on Amazon. (laughs) And and if I'm just that customer trying to find cheap, I'm just going to find it on Amazon. But there's so many other, there's so many other things you have to deploy to get people in that mindset of thinking about you as a brand. And so there's a lot of ways you also have to reach that particular consumer. So then it's about the acquisition strategy, right? So I look at it and I go, well, where can I expand? Is it D to C? Is it retail? What retail? But then you also have to go, do I have the actual product? Is the product ready for both D2C and retail? And then you got to think about all the acquisition channels. So if if, the, if you tick those boxes, you say yes, I've got the product, I can afford this, knowing that actually CAC is not going to be thirty; it's more going to be like a hundred plus. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it takes it yeah. takes a minute. So you got to model all that out and be prepared for it. Um, then you've got to really go, okay, if I tick those boxes, now I've got to start thinking about, well, where are the acquisition channels I want to spend time in? And where are, what are the acquisition channels that are really going to drive the best traffic and thinking about that marketing mix. And I want to say one thing, and I'm saying a lot, (laughs) so bear with me. Not every marketing mix is the same. What works for one person Mm -hmm. is not going to work for another person. And that's the other mentality because Amazon is a very templatized type of approach. If I do X and Y, it will always equal a away from Amazon, I could, I could go through all four of our clients right now that we currently work with, and every single one of them have, has seen success through different acquisition channels, and each one of them mm-hmm. have a very different story. There's elements and threads that are very familiar and similar. It's not one size fits all.
1: Interesting. Well, Chris, I would love to. So let's kind of take this chunk by chunk here. Okay, so yeah. um, we've got a brand. We want to 10X our brand. Okay, we know that Amazon, we need to start. We need to see Amazon more as our sales channel instead of the only sales channel. Right. We have an Amazon brand. I think that people need to if you really want to grow and scale a brand, you've got to stop thinking of yourself as an Amazon brand. So then you have to start thinking like, okay, what are other channels that I could get my product distributed or sold to? Right. So you've you mentioned TikTok shop. You've got Walmart, you've got Etsy, and then now you've got Timu and Shein and some of those other guys, right? So those would be like kind of third-party marketplaces. Then you've got your own D2C website, whether it be WooCommerce, Shopify, okay? D2C, that's where your customer acquisition costs, that CAC is gonna be pretty darn high, 100 bucks just to bring somebody in. Um, And then secondly, or Lastly, I guess you've got retail, right? Wholesaling your product into retail stores. Yeah. Um, and so, Chris, I guess the question would be, you've got a successful Amazon seller, mm-hmm. we'll say, okay? They've, they've hit the seven figures on Amazon. So out of all these channels, where would you recommend somebody start? Or does this all go back to the earlier point that you made that it's like everybody's different and it's always yeah. a unique approach?
0: Um, so I would say it's, it's a bit of mixture. It's a mixture of both. So yes, I I would, I would peanut butter that everything's different and it's always a unique approach. You know, the easiest thing for an Amazon seller to do, or someone who's traditionally sold only on Amazon, the easiest thing for them to do is to go to what I would call the, the, the next concentric circle, which is other marketplaces. That's, that's simple, right? Walmart's starting to act very much like Amazon. It's growing like crazy. I still have not seen the results that everyone's been shouting. It's still very much a small percentage in comparison to Amazon, but it is growing. There's a lot more sellers there. I just think Amazon still, I mean, Walmart still has a ways to go to become more friendlier for a lot of Amazon A lot of Amazon sellers. Their, their AOV is less than 30 bucks. And if you don't have Walmart yeah. Plus, which a lot of people don't have Walmart Plus, you and I both have Amazon Prime. You and I, I'm guessing I don't have Walmart yeah. Plus. I'm guessing you don't have it either. No. Well, there you Fair. go. I know it's anecdotal and it's a stupid stat, but it's something, right? Well, if you buy anything yeah. less than 30 bucks, you get charged $8 for shipping mm-hmm. on Amazon or on Walmart. So they're in a little bit of a, I think that's why you're seeing a lot of sellers going, hey, I put my stuff on Amazon or Walmart, <laughs> put my stuff on Walmart, and I'm not really seeing the sales that everyone else is screaming. It's be mainly that reason. Um, okay. But it's easy, like going on eBay is 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 easy. And you can even, you know, utilize software like Channel Advisor to, to go into Newegg and Akutan and all these other different types of marketplaces all over the world. If you wanted to, that's an easy, easy next concentric circle for a lot of folks who are traditionally on Amazon. But if you want to start now thinking about the other concentric circles that you just mentioned, I would say even TikTok shop. I mean, unless you can get really clever with your content around your product, then you're just going to really struggle to sell because like... Mm -hmm if you're just showing a video of something that feels very commoditized and it's not a great price point you're probably just going to be spending a lot of tires on tiktok but you'll i mean who knows yeah. you might who knows who knows like again i'm not claiming that yeah. whatever i am saying is like gospel it's who knows you could have a great experience but you know typically what you find i i bought a i bought an external monitor from from tiktok shop right like this thing just sets up next to my computer it was 95 bucks and like my TikTok was just flooded with with their videos. <laughs> and an easy videos like, hey, do you go to different work? You know, do you go to Starbucks to work? And blah, blah, blah. It's like, boom, oh. want that. Right. So even though it's a little yeah. bit more commoditized, they did a clever video nailing their their consumer. So I'd say that concentric circle would be like TikTok shop. And then of course, I think the next and, and things like that. I'd say the next concentric circle would be D to C. Um, And that's a much harder go. That's everything we talked about earlier. So I would also, I would also put this in a hierarchy of difficulty, right? Kind of as you, as you were talking through it. And then I think the final, the final piece of difficulty is wholesale, you know, fair makes Mm. it super easy for anybody to sell their product. And, you know, it operates very similar to a marketplace. It's very much low touch. You know, you have to have some level of customer support, some, some level of sales support, but very minimal. Um, but you're not going, I mean, you're only going to do, I don't know who you've spoken to about fair as you've been consulting with folks. I mean, I've never seen it go. I've only talked to one person where they're like, oh my gosh, I'm doing millions through fair.
1: Yeah. I haven't. Yeah. I haven't heard anybody just like revolutionize their business and now they are all in on the whole wholesale.
0: Yeah. And so like,
1: exactly. And, and
0: you mentioned Etsy, even though it is a marketplace. So I would, I would also put, you know, Macy's and home Depot and all those marketplaces. Uh, but then, yeah, so you're getting a tick and then you get to, uh, you know, you get to, uh, D to C, and then with retail fair. And then that's when I think rubber starts to hit the road, man. That's when mm. that's when you feel the brakes, I think, a lot harder in that circle, because you really have. I mean, if you really want to be in retail, how will we do how do you define that? I define it by being in a retail environment like. A Best Buy, a Kohl's, a Target, a Walmart, a Bye Bye Baby is making a comeback, you know, um, any of these types of retail environments. I just talked to somebody this morning about this. You can get online, Target Plus, even though that's a very weird thing going on at Target Plus right now. You have to have at least 100 SKUs and still a buying process. And it's just they don't have their act together yet. They're much more liberal on their website. You want to get in their store that buyer only has this much space for you and that space yeah. has been allocated for so many dollars per store per week and so much profitability per store per week and the buyer is heavily graded and judged literally their bonus is judged on their planogram and the program that they've put in for their particular category or subcategory so you better mm-hmm. have something that you that everybody stinking wants and go by the way it's not commodity cuz that's why they have their private label brands. They just take all commodity and just say, "I'll make it myself." Like, I don't yeah. need your commodity. That's awesome that you've got 55,000 reviews, but if I'm just making something that's 20 bucks, I'll just I'll just do it my own brand and yeah. I'll 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 make way more money than just putting your stuff in here for that type of product. But if I'm really going to buy in to something new for this shelf, oh buddy, you better come heavily packed with some data, you better have some unbelievable innovation, or branding that just knocks people's socks off packaging that is just out of this world. That's the hardest concentric circle. And you know what, some of your listeners may even refute what I'm saying and say, Well, I got into target stores. And it's like, I love I'd love to talk to you. How long did it last? (laughs) Why? What were the conversations? What were the basis for why you got there? You find very, 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 we have one client we work with that the target buyer actually reached out to them, but that's because they nailed it with branding. Like they're one of the most well-branded clients I've ever worked with, period, end of story. I'll share it with you later and you'll go, oh, wow, I get it. But that's, again, that's that's the exception, not the norm. So,
1: yeah. So with that being said, and I think with retail, I think it's important for people to understand like retail is definitely a, a totally different beast. A couple things for you to, for anyone to consider, even just going on to FAIR. I know that there are other people's business models where they will go acquire your product on FAIR and then go flip it on Amazon. <laughs> so you need to be, you know, you're only kind of creating some competition for yourself in your own buy box when you do that. That's one consideration. And then number two, if you want to get into these big box stores, You need to start like the amount of capital starts to change, right? Because you're going to be sending in thousands of units. You have to upfront all the inventory. And then guess what? If it doesn't sell, you eat all of that inventory back, right? Because this retail game is not an easy. Hey, once I get in, you know, the coast is clear. It's you've got to be paying, you know, for slotting fees which means where is that my product being located is it on the bottom shelf or am i sitting in the prime spot in the middle you're paying for that
0: yeah 100% just like
1: you pay for amazon ads if you want to show up top of the page it's more expensive that's right, right. um i mean there's it, you could go on and on but i think our sellers need to understand like it's a different ball game you need to have a very good strategy you do like we've all learned about amazon you've got to invest all that same amount of time or Even better, partner with somebody like yourself that's kind of been there, done that, and has the who's, right, that know how to get things done.
0: Um, Yep, that's right. So I I agree with everything you said. I mean, look, bottom line, it takes – this is on average. So, again, this is just average. Three years to get profitable in retail and expect 0.5 ROAS year one. mm. That's good. That's actually really, really good. Because it takes so much to get the brand sticky inside of a program and planogram to yeah. give you the opportunity to, to to land, expand. That's what they talk about a lot in retail, land, expand, and then sustain. So that modeling means that there's a lot of investment in CapEx that goes into year one and two. And then in year three, you start to feel the relief. And then year four or five, yeah, I mean, dude, you're, you're adding so much more. At that point, you're a prolific company. Yeah. And, you know, you don't have to you don't have to do as much to drive the consumer to the store. Um, you know, it's I mean, take take a look at someone like Manscaped. Um, you know, that's somebody who went into retail and had a wonderful D2C business and Target pursued them and they went into Target exclusively. And we know the we know the logistics company that that manages all of their logistics. Um, it's actually one of our clients that we're taking to market. And the law of average is very real. <laughs> we'll leave it there. Uh, it's even if you're a, a, even if you've become somewhat of a, a strong brand on Amazon, let's just say it's Amazon and you go, cause there have yeah. been brands that have gone from Amazon to, um, yeah. you know, to retail. Uh, again, we pick on them. There's all, cause there's only about three <laughs> that have actually done it really successfully. But, um, you know, even, even with someone that's been a prolific, people know who they are going into retail is still, there's so much pro you nailed it, dude. You nailed it with the slotting fees and you know just there's so much program and return percentage and you know about upfront you you upfront everything and it's 90 day terms yeah. like so i'm yeah. buying the and product you're not getting paid forever yeah you're not it tip, typically you're not getting paid for 6 months from the time that i put the order in with the factory i have got to i've got to hold that cash flow for 6 months so that's honestly where great abls come in and short term You know, PO factoring it plays a really good role with brands that are just new to retail. Yeah, it's actually a really it's a really good way to go because you're like, screw it, I'm not going to be that profitable anyways. I might as well take a loan to make sure that this thing gets really really off the ground.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, I think it's fascinating. I mean, you talked about how you're not going to be profitable for three years. You're a half a percent. (laughs) Uh, you know, as as a your ROAS 0.5 ROAS. I think an Amazon seller listening to this. I think they just, they lost their mind. They're like, their jaw hit the floor. They're like, are you kidding me? Because on Amazon, we're expecting five, 10 uh-huh. ROAS. And uh-huh. if it's not there, we're starting to shut down campaigns, right? Yeah, that's and right. And so it just, it's a different animal. It is. Um, Chris, I would love to dive into maybe some case studies that you might yeah. have, brands that you've worked with, just to kind of, I think the hard part is we can't lay out a clear path to say, well, take your brand, Then go here, do X, Y, and Z, and then you're just going to 10X your growth. I think what we've talked about is here are all of the additional like growth levers that you could potentially pull upon to grow your brand to 10X, but it's going to require some testing. And I think that's the most important thing you need to do is always be testing um, different offers, different marketplaces, D to C, even experiment with some retail um, to see what gets you going. So Chris, I would love to hear what you've seen other brands succeed with, fail at, how do they pivot?
0: Yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's a lot of what we discussed. I mean, you got to start somewhere. And I think a lot of the, um, I think a lot of the frustration and tension comes in when you and I are having this discussion and someone hears it and they go, well, I want to be that concentric circle, that final concentric, concentric circle tomorrow. And it's like, no, man, that takes a long time. And it's really, it's building blocks. It's building on other things, on other things, on other things. And again, it goes back to what we said earlier. Both directions or paths are not are not wrong or right. They just have different results, and the end looks very different. And so if you want to choose this path to, I really want to 10x, I want to grow, I want to be more prolific, I want to have channel expansion and diverse channels and diverse acquisition channels, I want to start owning my own data and eventually i'd love to get into retail and be of extremely valuable asset to a strategic who goes holy cow like i have to buy you that's the other side this is very my new point but everybody who's in retail in you know actual retail shelves everybody's reading the data the iri the fdmx the nielsen data and they're seeing week by week who's starting to gain actual market share and mm-hmm. that's where corporate strategics—that's all they're doing. And if you're eating someone's lunch in a category, that's 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 where you sell for. You know who was the um, Amazon brand, um, the the beauty brand that sold the Church and Dwight um, cosmetics? Was
1: it? Uh, I don't know. but well, you enough. have native native deodorant sold. You have Zesty Paws, right? There's was a third, and I, and it'll come to me later. It was,
0: um, uh, yeah, but they sold for like oh gosh, six hundred and fifty million. But again, it's because they 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 moved out. They have the concentric circles and they've they found themselves an extremely valuable spot to Church and Dwight, who's a huge private equity fund that buys and holds, to be frank, all these consumer product brands. Um, and so what do I say to somebody who's like, I want to do this and I want to I want to kind of go um, look, you highlighted a lot of things. I think it is about. It is first off, you gotta you gotta have a plan, man. I don't know how else to say it, right? You gotta put together a plan. You gotta put together a business plan. Where am I gonna go first? How am I gonna fund these things? Like I said, there's 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 what I would call singles and doubles and triples and then home runs. And there's a lot of singles when you've been an Amazon brand because you've got the domain expertise to go into other marketplaces and crush but there's a ceiling, right? But an aggregate, yeah. it can actually bring some decent cash flow to your company to then fund the next level of growth, which is typically direct to consumer. But you got to have a very good, solid, thorough plan on how am I going to achieve direct to consumer? We talked about it earlier. Can I afford the CAC? Can I do I have the product and product development to actually achieve what need what I want to achieve out of growth for this particular channel? What are the acquisition channels I'm going to test, right? You know, a big thing that's occurring right now is customers selling your product, consumers selling your product, UGC, OGC. I call it owner-generated content, where the owner is kind of the face of the brand, user-generated content. They're actually the ones selling the product on your behalf. You know, that's a big thing right now, and that's actually doing really well. Well, five years ago, that wasn't a thing. So following trend, testing the trend for your brand, to your point, taking, you know, 10% of your budget and applying it to just pure. I mean, this is best practices for meta. You always have 10% of your budget where you're using and just testing different method, testing different offers, landing pages. That's something that you're not used to with Amazon. Landing pages are everything, you know, deploying different potential strategies. Take colon broom. For instance, they grew exponentially because they created a very sophisticated quiz. They drove all of their acquisition. uh, They uh, are, are paid Um, uh, paid traffic to this quiz. They went, you know, consumer goes to the quiz, and at the end, you get hit with a drip campaign of eight different emails. And they saw their they saw their conversion go up almost like three hundred percent just by deploying this as a strategy. Does that work for everybody? No, it doesn't. So, to your let's go back to your point. Like, what's my plan? What's the acquisition channels? How am I testing? And then also, I'm now going to layer in the reason why I'm going to believe that I've got. What I would consider a really good plan is because now I've also brought in these experts to help me. And I brought in these people who done that, built the T-shirt, et cetera. So what you asked for case study, this is where we've seen success. We've seen this with success with our clients. Um, You know, we have one client that's in the custom rug business. In order for them to scale and grow, two things. Had to get the operations, perfect. Spent two years doing that started getting actual strategic bids from like real which I can't say on the podcast, but real strategic big, big, big players, and it's now ready to actually 10x. and we have worked with them. The new director of marketing came from big Green Egg, worked in the automotive industry, big mind, big thinker has got we, we've been talking talking to him today at two o'clock. I mean just incredible strategy for now taking the brand from 10 million to 35, 40 million. The operations can handle it. So they've got the operational leverage now and you're putting the right people in place just to absolutely go bananas. And so, yeah, I'm rambling, dude, cause I could talk about this for days and days and days, but yes, I mean, if I were to boil it down in a more simplistic way, it's thinking about the, those concentric circles have real business plans to them. One thing can lead to another. You want to have a building. You want to have building blocks that build on each other because I don't necessarily need to rebrand for D2C or the other marketplaces, but I might need to rebrand or refresh for retail. That's happening to one of our clients right now. Wonderful branding. When we came in, we even said, look, you've got really good branding. But then when we brought, you know, a best-in-class retail consultant and we're working to get into Sephora or Ulta and Target, you know, we're now working with a branding agency uh, who's done a lot of work with, you know, big beauty brands. And we're going through a refresh, both positioning, messaging, and packaging because now I got to talk to, I got to talk to the consumer in a different way when I go in. It's got to be quick. I can't look like anybody
1: else. (laughs) Makes a lot of sense. Um, Chris, we could certainly go on for the next 10 hours. uh, You and I just discussing different strategies and and things we could dive into. Um, So Chris, I'm going to wrap things up here and then uh, let you kind of add on anything you think I forgot. But I love to leave the audience with three actionable takeaways from each episode. So here yeah. are the three that I've kind of noted. And then, Chris, you let me know if you think I'm missing something. So action item number one, if an Amazon seller wants to 10x their brand and they want to be seen as that like household brand name, you want to go, you know, sell your brand for 100 million plus dollars. The first step in action item I would take, if you're not on multiple marketplaces, that's your lowest hanging fruit right now. Go expand, go copy and paste, and go get yourself on all the other marketplaces. Okay, we talked about Etsy, we talked about Walmart, we talked about, you know, Newegg and Rakuten, okay? Now, is that going to be game-changing amounts of money? No, but it starts to add up, right? It's going to be that little snowball. Imagine getting 5% of your current sales um, from Amazon, but on each of those different platforms, right? And it can start to layer up. So that would be action item number one. That's something you can do with an existing team that you have in place now. Action item number two. This is where things need to get a little bit more serious is open up a D2C channel. And I would also kind of correlate, you know, maybe TikTok shop in this as well, where you kind of start experimenting with influencers, affiliates that are going to drive traffic to either A, if they're on TikTok, then it's going to be to your TikTok shop. If it's off of TikTok, then you're going to be driving it to your D2C website. Yeah, that's right. And I think at the end of the day, you just need to see this as, I'm going to throw a bunch of crap at the wall, and I'm going to see what, if anything, I can get to stick. But knowing that this is not going to be an easy play, um, you're going to have to test. And just because somebody's doing an XYZ funnel and their ad looks this way, that doesn't mean you can go copy and paste that and it would, you know, do wonders for your own. That's right. Which leads me to my third and final action item is find the who and don't worry about the how. I think that so many of us that have grown our e-commerce business on Amazon, we are so used to, I purchased this course, I followed the course, I made millions of dollars. And I think all of that kind of goes out the window when you need to start focusing on D2C. Now, are there courses that teach you how to, you know, create your own Shopify store and all that totally. stuff? There certainly are. But if you've already got a million dollar plus business on Amazon, you've got the funds and you can go a lot faster if you go find the right who's. And, you know, Chris, that's why you mentioned it's not necessarily you. You are not the person I'd go to to say hey, what's the right meta strategy for me? But you know the right who's, you know the right who's to get me into retail, you know the right who's to help me rebrand so that I do look better for a a potential exit down the road. So That's that's right. Chris, anything else you would add to that? No, I think you nailed it. The one, the only thing I would probably
0: add is on action step number two, there are really great BI tools and attribution tools that help you keep, Discipline and guardrails in your spend. So you can do what they call agile testing, which is, it's a little bit like kind of carpet bombing, but it's lots of testing, stop and analyze Mm. lots of testing, stop, analyze. And so, and then I also, to that point, find someone who's actually, it's going to be a big word. So I don't want to, I don't want to be interpreted like this is a super expensive. You can find someone on an hourly basis, a good data scientist who can actually read your data um from these acquisition um channels and with this attribution tools and can tell you what 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 is your data saying to you. We do a lot of that mm. with our clients and it's they obviously Damn. find that to be not only valuable but they appreciate that. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Great insights. Chris, this has been an amazing conversation. Agreed. As we wrap it all up here, I've got to ask you my three final questions that Let's I like it, to man. ask every guest. <laughs> So the first one is, what is the most influential book that you've read and why?
0: You know what? You had Michael Gerber on here. And I have to say he's a either either a close the myth was a close second or maybe even tied for number one. But look, good to great, man. It was the first business book I ever read back in 2000 and like the year it came out. And Jim Collins is just such an influential mind in not only leadership, but just how business owners should be thinking about their own company. And I use wrong. I use the bus analogy almost every day, and my business partner Jason is extremely tired of hearing it.
1: <laughs> but I <laughs> get love the right it. people on the bus and the, the wrong people, off, people the
0: bus. off. Right people, right seats, and your plan is. In I I kind of add. I've I've created some addendums to it. You know, the 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 driver is your actual strategic
1: plan, and blah blah blah. So I love it. I love it, Chris. Second question here. What is a new productivity tool or software tool that you've recently discovered that you think is going to be a game changer?
0: You know, I'll go back to those attribution tools. Um, we've been doing a lot with Northbeam. And while it's more for, um, I'd say, media buyers, um, Northbeam has been a wonderful attribution tool. Second to that, there's a, I have to say it, there's a BI tool because that plays a bit of a separate role. It gives you a lot more insights into your particular customer, the traffic that's coming to the site. It's called Source Medium. Phenomenal, like we love those guys mm-hmm. super super smart guys who develop this software, and I, we always recommend that a client has both because if you and you have both, you have a more comprehensive view uh, and read on what's happening where's my where's my attribution where where are the con, where's the conversion really coming from? It lists everything on Northbeam, mm-hmm. and then for those who are coming like we look at a lot of cohorts, right, and so it's like, well let's analyze this particular cohort data. What's the what's the type of customer that's landing on the on this landing page versus this landing page? And you can do a lot of you get where I'm going. It's Source yeah. Media and Northbeam. two great, two great tools. I love
1: that. All right, Chris, third and final question. Who is somebody that you admire or respect the most in the e-commerce space that other people should be following and why? rick watson no question the guy is um like you and i spoke man
0: the guy is um just super nice super humble um but you know i'd say aside from that um very insightful and thorough and thoughtful in what he types as far as posts on linkedin and then he does a a a podcast it's like a 20 minute podcast where he recaps kind of what's happened the week before I get a lot of my news from him, man, because like you and I, right? Every day uh, we're distracted, whether it's business, family, kids, activities, et cetera. And I really appreciate like loading up LinkedIn and Rick posts something where I'm like, ah, oh, boom. I love that. And just again, really, really good e commerce insights. I think, like I was telling you earlier, it's not as much Amazon as more like direct to consumer omni channel, but. I think for this audience, it's a great person to uh, to follow.
1: I love that. That's a new name we haven't heard before. So people need great. to go follow Rick Watson. I appreciate Sweet. the new recommendation. Yeah, Chris. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, Chris, if people want to follow you along, tell us a little bit more about GW Partners and uh, Southcall.
0: Yeah, I'll be succinct. You know, GW Partners um, gets involved as early as possible as you've listened through the podcast to help affect every function of the business and optimize it for a sale on your time and for the valuation that you want. So instead of this noise and message of sell, 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 sell now let's take a few steps back. Are you even ready to sell? What's your goals? Let's create a plan to get towards your goals. Let's deploy the right people on the bus, wrong people off the bus, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Um, And eventually, we sell your company. I mean, we still do that. We've been doing that for for six years in this particular e-commerce consumer product space, and we'll be doing it for a long time. But we sell your company, but what we're doing now is a bit more of a hybrid model where we're wanting to get involved as early as possible. On Southcall, it's very similar, but we are equity stakeholders in the business. We take minority equity, um, usually less than 50%, um, actually a lot less than that, but that's the pure definition of minority equity. Um, we capitalize the business through our joint venture with sellers Phi and then, um, you know, we both get the company ready for sale through all the work that we do with GW and also with Ascala, who, you know, those boys very well, it's not boys, huge team. <laughs> and then we resource the company as well with, uh, with multiply me. So, um, I would say very, the, the biggest difference is equity versus, you know, do you just want more of a traditional kind of consulting M and a relationship?
1: Awesome. I love it. Well, Chris, I appreciate your insights that you shared with us. You dropped a lot of knowledge bombs on us today. Lots to digest from this episode. So thanks again for your time. Yeah. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate it, man.
0: Thank you for listening. Visit ecombreakthrough.com for more information. If you've enjoyed today's episode, the best way you can show your appreciation is by clicking the subscribe button and quickly leaving a review. See you again next time.